Okay, so here's where we're going today, or at least maybe I don't know how long we'll go. We're going to talk about the three feasts because we're coming up on the conference, which is whoop, not too long away, is it? Two months? Roughly two months? Yeah, like, so, um, and it's, it's titled The Feast, is my understanding, or is it The Feast, plural? I can't. I don't. I didn't look. Anyways, so that's um, upcoming, and so I started thinking about the feast because Pastor Ron's been talking about it a little bit, and about the three main feasts, major feasts. It has all kinds of names for it: the three pilgrim, pilgrimage festivals, the three Jewish feasts, the three great feasts, the three annual feasts of God. Those are just a few names that people call them, and talking about how they all, when that, when those those three feasts occurred. There is a, you travel to Jerusalem, especially all the able-bodied males and, and their family, but whatever, would go to Jerusalem and participate in these feasts. Now, we know about the feasts because we did, we did some studies on that, but it's been a while. And we actually did some of these feasts in the most fun, to me, fun and bizarre way. So I say bizarre because really, we did not we did not actually make a booth, but we did put up a tent. So I don't know how, but that was fun, and we had a tent with the thing in the middle so you could look up and see the stars. Which okay, anyway, so we've done Passover here. We've had past more than one Passover dinner, but my favorite was the one where we were dressed and ready to go. Had a what is that? Staff had a staff in our hand had shoes on her feet, which I always have shoes on my feet. It's you people that take your shoes off and walk around barefoot. Thank you, Robin. Put your foot down. Nobody wants to see that. I'm just kidding. Oh, oh, they may have seen it. It's a pretty wide-angle lens. That was my favorite one when we did that. I thought it was fun, enjoyable, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the Feast of Weeks, that was an interesting one. Pentecost, though, because we focus more on the Pentecost part of the Feast of Weeks. So, and sometimes, even when I went back and looked at it, I'm like, I got to unravel this. So, it really is known as Pentecost in the Jewish world as well, but we focus on Pentecost the first day of the Feast of Weeks because it was the birth of the church. So, our brain goes there. So then you talk about the Feast of Weeks. It's all a very interesting time period. So it really is um, seven weeks that you, that you observe the Feast of Weeks. And it starts on Pentecost. And Pentecost is 50 days. Am I saying that right? After Passover. So really, the Feast of Weeks starts on the end of Passover, and that, that's, the, that's the weeks until you get to Pentecost. So it's kind of weird. And I, get, I get, don't mean to get confused, but anyway, so it's all kind of tangled in together, so to speak. And then you have tabernacles, which we've definitely done. I know we've done it one time here at church where we set up camps in our tents in our out here. I don't know how many people came. I just know I was there, and I know you were there, and you too. Before Sonship, yes. And we did it one time at your guy's house in your backyard. It was kind of fun, too. <laughs> Never mind. Camping is not always fun in Florida. Everybody knows that. 
it can be very hot. So our understanding of all of these feasts or festivals, whatever you want to call it, we, we have, you know, the, um, the, the bones of what it is all about, the structure of what it's about. We've kind of learned that ourselves. I mean, it's in Scripture, too. We're going to look at some of that. So my, so my mind when I was doing this was, okay, so now that we're walking in sonship, because we did all that stuff before, and now we're walking in sonship, how do I, how do you, how do I, I'm just going to say me, how do I combine the two together and really get the understanding of what, of what God is doing and how we're participating in it, and then leading that up into our seminar? And so, I, I mean, I want to be prepared for whatever God's going to do. And so, I, to me, I would like to know what these, what remember and understand what these feasts are all about from every aspect, God aspect, but you know what I'm saying. So this is like just a start and a beginning. So hope, I mean, hopefully it'll inspire you because I couldn't put all the scriptures on here about how it was all done. I mean, for every, every one of these feasts because there would be too many scriptures. But we're going to start with, um, with the Second Chronicles 8, verse 12 through 13. And these feasts are mentioned more than once, these three specifically. But I found this, this scripture. Then Solomon offered burnt offerings unto the Lord on the altar of the Lord, which he had built before the porch. Even after a certain rate, that is the word debar. All those words I just read you, that's the word debar. <laughs> so debar every day. Offering according to the commandment of Moses on the Sabbaths, on the new moons, and on the solemn feasts, three times in the year, even in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and in the Feast of Weeks, and in the Feast of Tabernacles. So those three are specifically mentioned. But I thought it was really weird, but then cool when you realize that in verse 13, you're supposed to debar every day. Isn't that interesting? We're supposed to debar every day, Kim. Not just when we feel like it. Not just on Sunday. Not just on whatever you want to. When you want to. What do you want to say? But we're supposed to be participating in the prophetic word of the Lord every day. And and well, that alone just got my attention. So there you go. <laughs> so. Um, and so this is way in Second Chronicles where this is mentioned. So we're already to King Solomon. But we know that these, that these feasts have developed from like day one. So it's just been how God has, even, even the feast, how he's, you know, and, and developed and developed and, and brought forward things and brought forward things. And, and to the time where people started really celebrating them, like celebrating, celebrating. So, for instance, you know Cain and Abel, right? They did that, that first fruit, right? First fruit offering. I don't know what you would call it when Abel brought his offering and Cain brought it. I mean, that was the beginning of the first fruits, which is part of what we're talking about here. I forget where I put it. It's part of Pentecost. That also reminds me, every single one of these feasts, there was a first fruits offering of whatever was coming in that time, whatever the harvest was. So I thought that was kind of interesting too. So like one time it's barley, one time it's wheat, and then another time it was fruit. So it was, I, 
I thought, oh, there's only one first fruit. No, no, there's more. There's more than one first fruit, but there's not more than one Holy Spirit. Just make sure we're clear on that. <laughs> so we have these, these three feasts, and of course you can do, are you smiling at me? <laughs> of course you can do your um, promise, sila, and fulfillment concept when you look at these three, if you would like to do that. And it kind of, you can find a way for that to make sense because you have Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And I put them in order. I also put the dates they are this year, which we've already passed Passover. We've already gone past Pentecost. And then Tabernacles will be when? September 20th. Where will we be on September 20th? We'll be back here after we gathered. How cool is that? I love the timing of the Lord. So I think we should all bring our tents down. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) So um, we should go to the booth. Could we do that? We could do that. I think we should do that. Kim's like, all right. $25 per person? Wow. Okay, if you throw food in, I'm there. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, so the, don't distract me. I'm easily distracted right now. Well, that would be fun. Um, where was I? Thank you, people. Okay. Passover, right? Passover lamb, we're brought into, we're good. (laughs) We're saved, right? When you talk about Passover, that's how our brain thinks. So we know the Passover lamb, of course, Jesus. And we get into that right relationship with God, which is where I, you know, me personally, I definitely started there because I didn't have any kind of relationship with God until like way later in life. So I did have a relationship, but it didn't really exist. So now I have a relationship with God, right? And then we do, we go to the Pentecost part. And think about Pentecost in many different ways. But anyways, think about the Holy Spirit that comes and fills us. And then we can go down that Pentecostal road and say, and by, the, by speaking in tongues, evidenced by speaking in tongues. I can't, I can't imitate Pastor Ron very well. But anyway, so then we have, now, we're, now that we're, we're sons, we go forth and establish tabernacles. So you can kind of see promise, sila, fulfillment, if you, you know, look through all that. But how cool is that, that that's what we do? You know, and, and we don't think about, I haven't always thought about it with the tabernacles, especially about that being something that we go forward and we do. It's not just a place that's established one time, it's a place that we continue to establish because of God's presence, because of what God has already established on the earth before we were even, you know, alive. So we talk about Passover, so we'll move into the next scripture. We talk about Passover, and I think I left some stuff on there with a definition, right? <laughs> so, um, and we, again, we already know this, meaning to leave something out or to ignore as an operating in immunity or exemption, and I kept on going with 
to disregard intentionally or allow to pass unnoticed or unmentioned, to fail to do or include, to omit. And you, you think about the first Passover that occurred, and that's, you know, that's when they were ready to go. But the Lord passed over, obviously, the nation of Israel who had blood on their doorpost, but on their house. And God had to ra'ah that. That was kind of interesting, and we'll look at that because it's the scripture we're going to read. And, and did, not, did not kill them. But he killed the firstborn of, we'll just say, darkness. He, he took care of them. And if you think about that too, because that's not something I always, my brain always goes there. But if you think about that, can you imagine a whole nation of their firstborn being slaughtered? That would put, that would mess with your mind, first of all. <laughs> but second of all, you've just depleted a nation by however many people, I mean. And now you're going to try to overcome Israel, which is a pretty big, I mean, they're, they're huge. And you want to go try to capture them and bring them back or whatever. I can't imagine that the fighting force was thrilled beyond words to go and do this. And, I mean, there's, and there's all the other things that happened. So when he wiped out the firstborn of the dark of darkness, whatever, of Egypt, he really bolstered, should have bolstered the nation of Israel. That should have been a, an opportunity for great grace for them. Well, I also think for Egypt. I mean, there has to be has to be some kind of reckoning that goes on within you when you're met with this some big huge challenge and this and this is what happens, and you're, now what? Which way do I go? Who's right? I need to be in the right place, that kind of a thing. Oh, is, that, is the hand held on? Okay. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an opportunity, Yeah. you know, to wake up, so to speak, which I really believe this is in league with what God's getting ready to do upon the earth here. It's going to be an opportunity, of course, Everybody that sees this won't, you know, there'll be many that still respond out of darkness. Mm-hmm. But there will be however many, you know, the Lord already knows that, that will actually respond and, and start to question and say, wait a minute, you know, what, what's going on? Yeah. There, there's, there must be something more than what I've settled for up to now. Exactly. And, and you know, the enemy... I. And I say that amongst the church, especially, mm-hmm. not well, just people true. that are in dark. I mean, because there is a, not just people that's in darkness. What I'm saying is, the church is overcome by darkness. So, in general, mm-hmm. you know, so the, there'll be a reaching out from that point. Yeah, and you know, you think about back then, but you even think about now, and the enemy's doing everything the enemy can to make us lose hope, to to try to cause us to look out there and go, wow, the enemy's got it all going on. And what do we got? One, two. <laughs> you see? And you just, whoa, what, what's that? But obviously, there's no way the enemy saw what God was about to do. So he had to be sitting in his little horde area, wherever that is, going, didn't see that one coming. I mean, because he's He's not that kind of a, he's not, he can't see everything. So, you know, we might not see exactly what's coming, but we know what is coming is going to be something glorious. Just, I mean, 
Just think about the days back then. Because we know the promise. Yes. And truly, um, we can see the enemy trying to diminish the numbers. I mean, he's, he's attacking the, the saints. Mm-hmm. We can see that happening. And yet, you know, that diminishing is that very thing that is continually being the uh, strategy of the Father because it's mustard seed time. You know, <laughs> it is that remnant, it is that power that's instilled on those who are faithful that can take out his whole kingdom. I mean, just one of us can put 10,000 to flight, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so you multiply that by how many is here. And that's a tremendous one, amount two. of victory. And we are, mm-hmm. we are celebrating that victory. Um, we are the tabernacles going forward. Mm-hmm. We, we represent the journey. And I think that's probably one of the biggest um, points that has been made over these past few years is the fact that God is more interested in our journey rather than the destination because the destination is already in the bag. Yeah. You know, right. there, there is, there's nothing going to change that. It's how we go through the journey and who uh, will end up, mm-hmm. you know, who, who is going to be there as that remnant uh, to uh, carry the banners, to, to declare the, the goodness of the Father, to declare light in the darkness. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, you know, one of us is a powerful force and two, uh, unstoppable. Yeah. I just got a picture in my mind of all of these different challenges we're going through, how, what the enemy intends for them to look like. But because of everybody's faithfulness and devotion, you know, how you perceive it is something totally different. And I just saw this picture of basically a knife being sharpened with a whetstone, you know, and it's just God's hand just sharpening, a, sharpening all of us to such a fine, fine edge. Mm-hmm fine, fine edge that to even get within distance of it is, is to be dangerous. Oh, that's very cool. I had, I had a vision, not exactly like that, but of a, more like a sword that was up in the air, and if anything tried to come and invade the intercession of the saints, the sword came down and just obliterated it, just cut it right off. So, cool. Hallelujah. So really, we know the enemy has a limited supply. And, and the thing is, he has a limited supply that appears to be fueled by, like, billions of people, and God's only got hundreds or something, whatever number. And so, again, it's the perception that the, that the enemy really tries to, to beat us over the head with. So, it, it does. And so, Passover is, is a a reminder of the, all these feasts, a reminder. Passover is a reminder of where we are, where we were, I mean, but where we are and where we're going. And you can probably see that in all the feasts when we talk about what they're about. So um, I think it's kind of funny when you look at the word Passover. I wrote this down because it made me laugh. Because the root word for Passover is the word that means to hop or skip or spring over. And I was imagining the Lord back in the day, <laughs> hopping and skipping over that. Okay, that's just me. You just look at me like that. That's fine. So Exodus 12 um, is the next scripture, I'm pretty sure. 
Um, and I said 11 through 12, and it's really 11 through 13. I'm sorry, I wrote that wrong. At least I got my name on the top, and then Robin helped me out. I have what? I do, oh, it's on my sheet that I've messed up. Okay, so Exodus 12, uh, 11 through 13. And you, and thus shall you eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Now, I don't remember, did we eat in haste when we, we sat down? It was right here we did it. Right, do you guys remember that? Okay. Anyway, we think we ate it in haste. For I, will pass <laughs> For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite, my favorite word, smite. God is smiting me. Um, all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. Oh, I forgot, that's, that's added in the, all the animals firstborn. Wow. I mean, that would be a devastating to the economy of Egypt. There's just no way that it wasn't on, on every level. Um, both man and beast, and against all the gods, and against all the gods is just the word Elohim, which whenever they talk about little g gods, they use that word Elohim, and then you think, well, that makes sense because it's what's got your heart, right? So all the, all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am the plans and purpose of all the earth, but I am your plans and purpose kind of guy. That's who I am. And the blood shall be to you for a token, which just means a signal, a sign, a beacon upon the houses where you are. And when I see, when I raw that blood, that's when I'm going to hop, skip, <laughs> whatever, over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you while I smite the land of Egypt. Now, I know we've read this before and we had this understanding, but you read it now in the day and age that we're in, and isn't that a comfort to you to know that you have been bought by the blood of the lamb, the Passover lamb. It is anointed in and on your house, wherever you dwell, that God knows that that's where you are. And that whatever's coming upon the earth, God's doing that, but you're his son. And you're in that house. And he's going to ra'ah what's going on. And that, I mean, how, what greater protection do we need? I don't need ATD at my house. I don't need people looking at my little camera. I'm just kidding. I'm just saying. But how much more protection do you want? You know, that's 24-7 right there. Instantaneous response. <laughs> So you look at the, you know, just in this scripture, you can see that, that there's um, a deliverance for the sons of God. There's an execution of judgment against the little g gods by God. And then there's this protection of the people of God. The son, again, sons of God. And yeah, how, what can, how can, you can't beat that. I, you can't. You can try. And sometimes when you get afraid, you do things like that. You know, you think you're, you're on the right track. I know God's got me. And then something happens and you get afraid and you fall back. 
over here. I think that's part of our fast of feasting this month is to not fall back into complaining or whatever it is that brings us comfort when things are difficult. Does that make sense? And I, I am so like the biggest person on that right now because dif- I am just, and there's all these things going on. And it's like, wait now. So, and the, I want to complain about it. I just want to throw comments out while I'm walking through the house. That's just, just ask Jocelyn. And you know, because I think that brings me comfort, but that's not what, that's not what, that's not what I need to be doing. I need to be partnering with the Father, and I need to be covered by the blood of Jesus so that when the enemy tries to bring things about, it's not going to get me. <laughs> it's just not going to get me. It's, um, it's interesting how, how we look at this thing because uh, in, we are told that in everything we are to give thanks, and, and that means that God is in control. Otherwise, we couldn't give thanks for everything. So this skipping over us is, is that God is skipping the judgment that he is uh, giving to those who are serving the little G's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whatever happens is, is not punishment. And I think that is significant. It is a blessing that, that this fast of feasting is for us to recognize that all things that are going on, on, that are happening to us because we are standing on behalf of the Lord, covered by the blood of Jesus, are to be thanked for, thank, thanking God for, because they are fulfilling something that he has uh, ordained to do. And so we can't we can't look at anything that happens to us as we function in the spirit under the blood as any kind of punishment, even though we are struggling with our flesh at times, uh, we overcome and whatever whatever the flesh was able to uh, uh, prosper in, uh, we are not going to be punished for that, right? Because we have this covering of the blood. And so we continue forward in an, an, an immunity to the, um, the fear, the doubt, um, the um, uh, selfishness, the pride, all those things that the enemy is, is kind of sitting in. He's got his, his stuff just set up, <laughs> and here it is, just sitting there, and we come in. And um, we are this, this light that exposes what that is. And it, when that light hits it, it, it shows it for what it is. It's just action and nothing. Nothing. Jay, remember we talked yesterday? You can take the microphone. About misery loves company. The enemy has come in and set up. No, I want her to talk. Tell, can, you, can you remember what, we talk, what, what you read? Because she Googled it. I'm like, what is misery love company? What is that all about? So she Googled it and she was sharing. Do you remember? It was actually from, uh, they said a play, and it was... A play, a play. in case you're missing it. Theater a, type thing. A theater, okay, yeah, go. a theater. Um, drama. Drama. And in it, the gentleman had made a pact with, with the devil, and it was, um, it was his life that he was, or he had traded something, but it was so that he could have... 
I'm not going to remember. She's not going to remember. It was really cool because it's like you said, the enemy had his place set up, and Misery Loves Company was very similar to what you're talking about. It's, okay. it's not what you think. Go ahead. So, um, it's from the 16th century, and it was a man prepared to give up all hope by signing a pact with the devil in exchange for 24 years of living with his desires being fulfilled. Eek. But there's the enemy set up offering that to how many people? There was something more, too. Do you remember, Jay? Um, She's looking it up. It's okay if you can't find it right away. You do? Yeah, it's, it, it was a quote from this character, the devil's agent, in answer to the question about why Satan seeks to enlarge his kingdom. Um. Yeah. Okay. So. Hand the pho- microphone over to your mom. You see it played out. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> and I was just sitting here thinking of how many different ways that's played out. Mm-hmm. You know, from people just basically, they, they want what they want and signing over whatever it takes. And it looks, it may look different from scenario to scenario, but it's, it's the same outcome. If you're not reaching for God, you're going to be reaching for something that the devil's going to utilize reaching to, down to manipulate something. you. Yep, exactly. And, you know, I, I know lots of, everybody's got to go their route to find God. I really, I'm starting to realize that more every day. I went a route that maybe none of you guys would ever think of taking. I mean, it's not like I sit here and go, okay, I'm going to map. I'm going to start here, and I'm going to go up here, and then over here, and then I'm going to be up there with the Lord. I mean, you don't really map it out that way. But people go through those things, and you just think, I guess just they just have to experience or figure, out, figure it out. They're going to have to go and go, wait, this is, this is empty. This means nothing. And I'm talking people that, that some people are great, greatly admire people that make billions of dollars, people that have millions of fans, people that make a bunch of money making a movie, people that, that just make a lot of money because they're just smart people. I mean, all those things, they have to work their way through it. Well, we're looking just in the natural. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're looking just in this country. How, I, you know, we were talking the other day when, when our last president, President Trump, was <laughs> campaigning initially in his first you know before he became president he was talking about draining the swamp and i thought okay this we're just talking the natural law this we're talking about a handful of people you know in congress and we're talking about maybe some democrats and a couple a couple of republicans i had absolutely no idea and i probably still don't have an idea of the whole depth to what it goes but i had no idea that that slimy way of thinking, that selling out your country in order to get your own personal power and money, that it reached into every single institution we have in this nation. Misery I, loves I, company. I, yeah, I had no idea. I, I mean, you know, I had inklings of there weren't things right in this area over here, and there's some things kind of messed up over here, but I had no idea at the heart of it. I'm not saying all the people involved in all that are wrong. I'm just saying they're being used too because there's whistleblowers within and all that, people that want to do the right thing. Mm. But that every institution down to our 
our security agencies, down to our education system, down to our medical institutions. I mean, government, everything of government, every, every bit of it has become rotten. The people that are running it have, have, all, have all done that. They've made a, a covenant. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about Malachi when he talks you know, to the, the ones that were supposed to be leading the nation. They made a covenant, a covenant with the devil, a pact with the devil, mm -hmm. so that things would go well, so that they would have everything they needed you know, in their, in their hierarchy of power. Right. And we even see some of that occurring in the church. You know, we're, you wouldn't call it a pact with the devil, but essentially that's what's happened because it's become so compromised that it, if you hold it up to Scripture, it doesn't even look like Scripture. It yeah. doesn't even, it, there's no way it resembles it. We were listening to a song like that just the other day. <laughs> it all comes down to, I love God and I love people. Not exactly. But God knew all this, and he's placed us in this time frame. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds so depressing if you really just start talking right. about it like Looks that. Right. Looks like the enemy is, is, yeah. has got the victory. He's but almost it, there. It's not. You can't afford to ever let your head go there. Mm -hmm. Because we know we have to focus on the promise of the Lord and what he has us doing. And this would not even be ramped up like it is if we weren't making some kind of impact. There would be no need for it. Yeah, and there would be more people here and not sick at home and all that other stuff. Well, and, and, and the enemy <laughs> is getting desperate. And I'm not, I'm not discounting his power in any way. Uh, and I'm not focusing on his power. But I, I just know that, that he is getting desperate, which, mm -hmm. and which is what the end days are going to look like. Yeah. Desperation. Huh? Sees his time coming short, right? So, Vicki, I wanted you to look up the word feast. Um, it's in Exodus, is it in Exodus 12? Is it in there somewhere? I'm trying to remember. Oh, maybe it's not there. Yeah, that's fine. Just look at the word. Is, is it say Feast of Unleavened or is it Feast is a separate word? Okay. Darn, I know I looked it up somewhere. Did you find it? It's the word chagag or something. And, it, and it, the definition is to hold a feast or a festival to celebrate, to dance, and even to stagger. But it roots back to a word that talks about Moving in a circle, just set it down. I thought you'd, that would be helpful, for, easier for you to read. Oh, that must be the word. Must be. Oh, okay. Yeah, you got to say it right with the but I gotcha. Where'd you find that at, Kim? 14. I'm sorry. Thank you, Kim. The one passage I don't have on my sheet. Do you see the word, whatever it is? And then you root it, you follow the yellow brick road back, right? And it's like chuling, because it does talk about moving in a circle. C-H-A-G-A-G. -A -G. 
And then if you keep reading, doesn't it talk about how it's marching? Yeah. That there's a... You, isn't that interesting? To be get, and this is all part of a feast. It's, so it's more than just having fun, eating a lot of food. Okay, I don't think feasting is necessarily that. Hello, Carmen. But anyways, go ahead. Uh, this is also the way Jericho went down. Yeah. Uh, that was really It was a feast happening because they were marching in a circle. Isn't that interesting? I don't know. I can see that being us, though. It's powerful. It is powerful. <laughs> so thank you. Go ahead, Vic. You want something? Yeah, I think it's almost like a, an expectation of, of a point of restoration that's going to come. Exactly, and so that's why... And so that's why you would be giddy. That's why you would be yeah, demonstrating it in such a way. Right. Because and you're dancing. convinced God's mm-hmm. going to do something. Right, so that's what's going to happen in September because that's the title of, this, of the conference. So let's look at um, Exodus twelve fifteen, because, um, again, you got Passover happens, and, and right along with it is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So in Exodus twelve fifteen, so seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eats leavened bread in the first from the first day until the seventh day, that soul, the nephesh, shall be cut off from Israel. Like kind of a nasty cut off from Israel. Sliced away kind of a thing. So I thought that was interesting about the unleavened bread. And we've talked about this, removing leaven from your house, right? And even by the definition of unleavened bread and leaven, you can see, and I'm not a big person on leaven and unleavened bread and understanding all that stuff and the fermented this and that grows that and the starter kits you get for sourdough bread, that, all that kind of thing, all right? I understand how that all, I mean, I don't really understand how that all works. But if you look at the word, the word leaven, um, it, do, it does, it says something about being, being a sour or a yeast cake. It's swelling from fermentation. Ooh, that doesn't sound good at all. I mean, really, we throw away a lot of fermented juice at my house. Fermented juice is good for me? Oh, yeah. So glad you came, Carmen. Um, (laughs) So this this feast happens. So Passover is the first day. And then unleavened bread continues to happen. But we've looked at unleavened bread, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that we remove yeast from our house. And I think we literally, I think I literally did that one time when we were celebrating that. Because I didn't know what that was, so I had to go figure out what stuff was to see what was leavened and not leavened. And I, I kind of got to figure it out just from a natural standpoint. Um, but we know that it's to get rid of that stuff that's corrupted, that stuff that is fermented that's not good fermentation. <laughs> right? So, you know, leaven can be any number of things depending on who you are. But a lot of times, leaven has a measure of pride mixed in it where you don't, you know, no, I don't have to deal with that. I, I need to carry that forward because look at how far I've come. This is where I'm at. So how can you tell me, no, I need to have this to move, to move forward, right? So we know... The yeast from the past, right? You can look at the next scripture in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, and 8. And it says to purge out, therefore, the old leaven 
and that's the word zoom, or zoom, zoom A, I think, that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. That's a very interesting statement that I don't have time to go into at the moment. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of what? The sincerity of truth. So you look at the definition of leaven in the New Testament, and it says having a particular habit mentally or morally corrupt, viewed in its tendency to infect others. Wow. So if you have leaven, you can infect others. And sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes, I mean, there's people that intentionally try to corrupt others. Misery loves company. company. Exactly. So unleavened is obviously the negate of what I just read, (laughs) to not have faults, right? So when when you look at what's being said here, you understand the things that we go through, removing leaven from our lives, from our heart, from our whatever our desires are, that's a, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. You can see examples of this all throughout the New Testament uh, where, where the apostles had gone into villages and towns and began to speak about the truth and the word, and the people were all like, wow, they were, they were taken by it. And then you'd had the Jews that came up from the previous cities or that were following this, this gospel message, and, and they, they riled up the people. And all of a sudden, all those people that were going, wow, this is great stuff, are going, oh, no. And they start yelling and, and you know, driving out the apostles. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank so, you, Robinson. So, so, so it was the 11 of the previous uh, ones who were offended that yeah. brought the, the offense to the new group. Yeah. And it was totally infected them. That leftover stuff, just throw it away. And, you know, you can make leaven out of a whole lot of things. We've had the awesomest revelations the Lord has given us, but you can make that a leaven itself where it corrupts what God's trying to do, the next thing he's trying to do because you're not willing to to move in that fashion. And, you know, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, right? Jesus warned us, do not partake in the leaven of those guys because their thought process was there is a God and he is mighty and he can do this. What about that over there? Nope, nope. He can do this. And that's part of, I mean, that's part of my mindset that's got to continue to expand, right? To enlarge. We talked about that last week. Got to enlarge. We got to move with the Father. He's setting those things up. Things are going to be mind-boggling. We can't use leaven from the, from the bread we've had before to move forward. We have to get the fresh bread every time. And then it makes more sense. Well, it just makes sense. Why, <laughs> why um, the, the bottom line has been to compare everything to truth. You go back to you know, the scriptures and you go back to what God's revealed because it has to be, you can't compare what you're seeing with what you've known. You have to compare what you're seeing with what God's revealed in his word. Exactly. And that's why that's been such a driving point for, um, you know, Words that have been released, and you know this is 
the scripture and it's infallible because if we don't start comparing what we see to that, then you do. You get drawn into, well, mm, I don't know because back da 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 da. And the minute you start doing that, then you're starting to compare what you see with what you know instead of what is truth. Mm -hmm. And lots of people use scripture to do that same thing, but they don't look at the whole ex the whole expansion of scripture. They look at look at this one line. Okay, see that, that then God can't be doing that. And it's like that's one line. Look at the look at the big picture. Be a teacher seer, okay? Just just do it. <laughs> yeah. Targets. Okay. God's always opening targets. I mean, he's always making it so he's multiplying opportunity to see more, to do more, mm -hmm. to be in that moment more. Right. He's always doing that. He is. It's great. All right. So that's the beginning part of Passover, and I say that because I'm sure there's going to be one that's come. Passover and unleavened bread. So let's look at the next one which is Pentecost and the Feast of Weeks. And I gave you the definition of Shavuot. I know I'm not saying it right. Remember the time that God spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai and gave him the Ten Commandments. So in the very beginning, when they first started celebrating the Feast of Weeks, that's what they did. They would stand and someone would read the Ten Commandments over the congregation. That was part of Shavuot. And I'm pretty sure that we did that too that we, we stand, stood and we read the Ten Commandments when we were here. So the other part of Pentecost is, the Feast of Weeks, is the Feast of First Fruits, which we've also been talking about, because it, as I said, it happens in every single one of the feasts, that were, these three feasts that we're talking about. So you look at the scripture in Leviticus 23, 15 through 20, which talks about that. Is that the next scripture on the sheet? Okay. And you shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. So that's seven times seven. I did my math. That's 49. <laughs> Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall you number 50 days, and you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. So that's the Pentecost day. Okay, you shall bring out of your, whoa, you shall bring out of, it's Lisa, she's here, it's electrifying in the, you shall bring out of your habitations two wave loaves of two-tenth deals, and that's just a tithe. They shall be a fine flour, they shall be bacon with leaven, they are the first fruits unto the Lord, and you shall offer with the bread seven lambs without blemish of the first year, and one young bullock and two rams. You see all these numbers, how cool they are? Seven, one, two. They shall be for a burnt offering unto the Lord with their meat offering and their drink offerings, even an offering made by fire of sweet savor unto the Lord. Then you shall sacrifice one kid, not one of your children, one kid of the goats for a sin offering, and two lambs of the first year for a sacrifice, sacrifice of peace offering. See all these offerings that are going on? It's so, oh. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering before the Lord. And with two lambs, they shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. We're not going to wave goats. I don't know. 
pork? Oh, okay. That was a bad, that was really bad. Go ahead, Jocelyn. It was. Go, Jay. Save us. That's a lot of sacrifice. There, it is. Because you can imagine, okay, so you take that and you multiply it times every family. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking like, what, a week's worth of slaughter? A week, yes. It, it's, it's not, it's definitely not pretty, but I want you guys to think about what do we do? What are we doing in the, in the supernatural as sons to meet, I'm going to say meet these requirements, but to observe the, the feast of weeks, the feast of first fruits? What, what, are, what do we do? What sacrifices are we making? What are we offering as a peace offering? What are you offering as a wave offering? And I know we've done different aspects of this, but you think all these things are so entrenched in this. And this is a long time period, okay? So we had Passover, then we have the weeks, and then we have Pentecost. And oh, Go ahead, Jay. Vicky, sorry. Go. Well, I know you, you touched on this already, but it made me think again of how important this, this part is, really the sila. This is where we put our money where our mouth is. Exactly. It's where we put invest our hearts totally in 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 partnership with, you know, with the Lord through what he wants to do through whether it's diverse prayer, parets, dying daily. I mean, we, there's a whole list of principles that we've come to know and live. Mm-hmm. And that's why it takes so long. It's why it's such a long time because this is the point that's prior to the fulfillment where we're waiting but we're we're so Involved, we we have to be. Otherwise, we're going to get lost. We're, things are going to confuse us. We're going to start going whatever. We're going to we're going to get lost. So, and this, you know, they have it designated in a year time period, right? They have a time, you know, they have dates and everything. This is not something that's a date for us. This is something that is. We we are we are embracing. To me, we're embracing all of these feasts all the time. We have to be maintaining them, you know, daily, weekly, <laughs> whatever. But, you know, now you're thinking about it from a different standpoint. We look at it, we've seen it in the natural, and then we've we started to observe it in the supernatural. And, and now here we're coming to a time period where God's bringing us to a place in September where we're gathering back again. We haven't been together for however long, so that's going to make a difference to a lot of us. And here... Here's, here it is. That's my phone. And, and here, here this thing is coming. What is God going to do? All right, am I, I need to be in that place. I need to be where he needs me to be. Where is that? Okay, I don't know. Are you making all these? Are you sacrificing? Are you understanding what first, first fruits are? Because we, we have a, a, you know, Pastor Ron wrote a whole book about first fruits. Go read that again. Check out what's happening. And so, you know, the, like you said, Vicki, the Feast of Weeks, it's a, long, it's a long time period. And see, my brain goes back to, that's how long those guys hung out in Jerusalem after Jesus was crucified at the Passover, 50 days, roughly. That's how long they were staying. They stayed there. Can you imagine? I need a little more time off, boss. I uh, can't go yet. <laughs> I can't come home yet, honey. I'm still hanging out here. And look at what happened after those 50 days, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I, I can't, I just can't fathom what God is doing. And the fact that things are, are, are 
you know, difficult and hard in the natural just means to me that we, I'm going to say this house, we are on the right track. And, and I didn't used to always think that way. I used to think, well, gosh, things are going wrong. What are we doing wrong, Lord? I used to think that way. But no, we have to think, what are you doing, Father? If I'm doing something wrong, show me. But what are you doing? Because the enemy is not liking what the saints throughout the world are doing right now. The enemy is not liking it. And it's like, we're going. We're, gonna, we're going for it. And so you have this time period, seven Sabbaths. I don't know how much time between here and, and we go to Dallas. Is it seven Sabbaths? It's two months. That's interesting. Microphone is over here. Quick, somebody look on a calendar I, and tell I me how many. I even think of the, the sacrifices as spiritual. Oh, Meaning, yeah. I, I know they are, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking, okay, spiritual. You, things you can't see, but you know are happening. Because I know God's doing a mm-hmm. thing. Right. I know I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. I know I'm in God's heart and his plans and his wins and that I'm moving forward with him. So that means there's stuff happening up in the spirit world mm-hmm. that, that demons are being put down. That demons are being sacrificed as well. <laughs> They're being put out of the way. Mm-hmm. Put away. Things are being mowed down Absolutely. in preparation for what God's going to do for mm-hmm. billions of people. Billions of people. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Billions. <laughs> did, did you count? It's seven? It's seven Sabbaths before we get to Dallas. So that's very interesting. So anyway, that's unexpected. I wasn't thinking that way. Feast of weeks before we get there. Okay, guys, let's go. Let's have at it. Woo, 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 woo. Sacrifices. What, are you, what is it that God's asking you to look at and to sacrifice? What's the unleavened that needs to be, I mean, the leaven that needs to be removed? So we, we have this time period in preparation before we, before we obviously we get there. So I think we'll do this one more scripture, Feast of Weeks. In Exodus 34, it's, I'm just, it's a real quick reference. And thou shalt observe the Feast of Weeks of the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the Feast of Ingathering, which is a harvest as well, at the year's end. So there's, there's uh, different things that are mentioned in here, but we, we talk about first fruits, we talked about the Feast of Weeks, we know the seven Sabbaths, and then the concept of the unleavened bread. This is all part of that, that feast called Pentecost. That feast that is one of the three big feasts that, that's leading up to the Feast of Tabernacles. So there is more to talk about when it comes to this. I told Vicki I didn't think I was going to get through this, but I get to teach next week. So we'll finish this next week. Bring any observations, though, of, about this. If you, if you have time to look at things, research, look at, you know, something grabbed you while you're listening to this. And let's, let's um, not that kind of grabbing, that it hurts. Well, maybe it does. Um, you know, let's, let's take a look at some more, some more information. I might have some more scriptures, but try to bring these back. Your scripture sheet. Kim, bring your, bring your computer back, okay, Kim? Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll proceed. Sound good, everybody? Okay.
Thank you guys very much. Lord bless our time. Amen. Ow. There we go. <laughs>